Hey guys, this is Adrian Vandenberg, formerly of Whitesnake and these days of Vandenberg, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me in the Zoom room to promote the new Vandenberg album called Sin, please welcome guitarist Adrian Vandenberg. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am good. It's actually morning for me, but it's not morning for you. Where are you located, Adrian? Um, right now, I'm in France. Things could be worse. The sun is shining, and it's six o'clock uh, in the evening, actually. Very nice. So, I'm, in, I'm in Los Angeles, 9 a.m., and the sun is also shining, so all good things. Yeah, all good things. I actually left uh, two weeks ago. I was in Los Angeles, and uh, as always, a lot of fun. It's, um, I spent so much time in my think days in Los Angeles that um I still feel at home over there, even though uh, I'm not there as often as I would like to. But hopefully there's going to change uh, in the near future. You know, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully you guys get on the road. You do some dates all around the world. That'd be great. Yeah, we've been all over the place lately. <laughs> okay, so the new album is Sin. It actually comes out August 25th. It's the fifth album by the band Vandenberg. And your fourth since... Uh, 2020 with the album called 2020. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Tell everyone who the current lineup of Vandenberg is. Um, the, the, the rhythm section uh, is the same as on the 2020 album. Uh, Kuhn Herfst on uh, drums and Randy Vander Elven on bass. And I'm sure these, sounds, these names sound pretty exotic to American people. <laughs> And then there's uh, the Scandinavian uh, vocalist Mats Levin, not also very exotic to Americans. And well, my name is relatively pronounceable uh, since um, <laughs> I started touring the, sta the States uh, in '83 for the first time. Let me ask you about Mats. Uh, to my ears, on this new album, he has a, a very David-like tone to his voice at times. He does, you know, um, he's got a similar timbre, which is, you know, uh, which is always quite crucial, of course, to um, like, for instance, um, one of the examples that I uh, regularly bring up, um, a lot of people don't realize how Steve Perry from Journey, formerly of Journey, how much he's been influenced by Sam Cooke uh, from the 50s and the 60s. Because they have a slightly different voice. And then uh, Rod Stewart, same thing. Rod Stewart is very influenced by Sam Cooke, but his voice is so different that you don't even hear it. But um, of course, Matt's has always been in, has also been influenced by singers like Coverdale. But since he has a very uh, similar timbre, uh, he's, he's got this strong 
dark brown low end rumble in his voice as well. It's it's even uh, more uh, resembling David's um, way of singing. But next to that, uh, Coverdale is definitely one of his influences. Uh, Mutz grew up uh, when Mutz was in the early 20s or late teens when he was growing up in Scandinavia and listening to rock music. Of course, you know, uh, guys like Coverdale and uh, like guys like um, Ian Dillon and Rod Plant, all those guys and Ronnie Dio, uh, when you're a late teenager, they start to influence you. And um, he, just like me, he wears his influences proudly on his sleeve. <laughs> and it, it fits really well with the kind of music that I've been writing. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard not to be influenced by all those singers that you just mentioned when you're uh, in your teens and you're coming up. Yeah. And- trying to form your own vocal style. But I think he sounds so terrific on this new album. It's fantastic. He does. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. This album cover is very reminiscent of the second album, Heading for the Storm, which features the three sharks. Did you do the artwork for the Sin album cover? Yes. I um, uh, the, the, the early Vandenberg album, the second and the third one, um, were oil paintings, and I thought it would be a good thing to pick up that red thread since I picked up the name again. And um, if you remember, maybe, or some of the listeners may remember too, that the second Vandenberg album, which was 1984, I think, um, or 83, actually, uh, there were the three sharks flying over a highway in the middle of a desert. Right. I thought it would be kind of cool to let them fly into New York City um, as some kind of an arrival. And um, that's also connected to uh, the album title and the, and the song title, uh, Sin, because for me, if you think about the biblical connection, it was about, uh, you know, the, when when the, the, the sin, the original sin started, it was the snake and the apple. And of course, you know, New York is named the apple, plus yep. it is, a serious city, a city of sin, of course. So I thought it was a great connection to let us fly, those sharks fly into New York City and kind of make it a whole theme. And the people who come to our show will also hear that the, in, the intro tape I made for the show uh, is also connected, but I'm not uh, disclosing anything about that. <laughs> you just have to come. <laughs> so you've done the album artwork for the second album, Heading for a Storm the third album alibi and for the recent album sin. So yes. I want to ask you, you're, you're very talented in music okay. and, and art, which came first. They, they came simultaneously. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I was, all, I was all, always um, drawing and painting and stuff. And uh, a little bit later on, Actually, my mom told me that when I was about five or six, I was running around the house with a um, cigar box on my dad with elastic bands over it and went down, 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 down all day until she, it, drove her, it drove her crazy. So at some point, <laughs> decided, well, maybe make it more serious and give me a guitar. So that happened. And then I always thought, you know, it was a very normal thing to do. I was kind of assuming that everybody would do that until... I found out that, that my friends that I played soccer with and hung out with, they didn't do any of that. And I thought, wow, why not? So I remember asking one or two of them, why don't you guys do that? And they, they, they went, well, we can't. 
I said, why not? Well, we don't do that, you know? So it kind of surprised me. I didn't understand why they didn't do that, because to me, it came so natural, naturally. And um, it's, it's been uh, in, 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 uh, off and on in balance um, throughout my life. When um, I was about 18, um, my dad gave up on me being a scientist like he was. <laughs> and he decided, well, you know, he's always been doing this guitar thing. And... Uh, and piano and, and painting, so maybe it's a good idea to have do uh, take a proper education in in one of one of the, or the other. And um, he told me, you know, um, you can go either to um, the Conservatory of Music or go to the U- University of Arts. And I thought, well, I'm probably going to end up as a teacher, so I might as well go to the U- University of Arts because I can't picture myself. Having the patience of listening to guys go down, 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 you know, I don't even have the patience for myself, let like, alone <laughs> for other people. So I decided I'll go to um, the art direction, um, and I studied for five years, and I actually taught art for about a year and a half at a high school until I got fed up with it because it was uh, first of all the board of um, parents didn't like me dating the girls in my classroom which still surprises me to this day <laughs> not but um uh yeah you know that it was so regular um you had to get up you know a certain time in the morning you had to be at the school at a quarter past eight with like a little lunchbox and and then i had to listen to all the blabbering of all those boring teachers that you were in a coffee room with i thought man i'm not going to deal with it and so i decided to work as a graphic artist and i worked for a couple of advertising agencies and publishing companies with the money I made I, I sold my paintings already at the time and um, with the money I made I financed the first demos for the early Vandenberg albums actually that's amazing so that the, you yeah. had all these mini careers before you hit on music yeah because I never had the illusion that uh, with the kind of music that I love to play which is hard rock yeah. that I would ever be able to make a living in Holland because I didn't have any um, illusions that I was going to be able to do that outside of Holland and I always had a rock band um, ever since I was 15 or something but I mean in Holland you know there's, uh, there only have been not even a handful of bands that kind of did well outside of Holland um, and my kind of rock was is never been on the radio and uh, like even here ago again you know the number one hit we have the white snake yeah. In Holland, I think it, it was barely made it to top 10 and then it disappeared. And Holland has always been a country where that kind of rock is not, you know, played on the radio. And, and there is a big crowd for it, you know, because whenever ACDC plays or Van Halen used to play or whatever, they sell out in a minute. But, um, you know, media kind of ignore it. That's wild. That's uh, very strange. But you brought up Van Halen, so I want to ask you this. The name Vandenberg, was that always going to be the name of your band, you know, like Van Halen? Or were there well, other band a, names tossed around? Yeah, there were. And then at some point, uh, the A&R manager from my record company at the time, Warner Brothers, he said, why don't you call it Vandenberg? It's your band. It sounds good. And uh, it got a certain power to it. And initially, I thought, oh, I, I'm not sure whether I want, you know, the band name to 
be my name because uh, I already wrote the songs, I wrote the lyrics, I made the, I did all the interviews, I did all that stuff, and um, I thought if if it's gonna be my name as well, you know, it's almost like a solo career, and I I really wanted to have like a band vibe, which I still do because. All the bands that I'm still a fan of and that I've always been a fan of always had this band vibe and, and weren't like a rotating, like a revolving door in a, in a warehouse where every other album has got a different lineup. You know, you never get to, to really identify with a band. I always like it when, when, you know, there's a pretty solid lineup. So I wasn't too enthusiastic in the beginning, but at some point I thought, well, okay, you know, I don't have a better alternative, basically. I want to let people know before we get too far into some other things where they can find Vandenberg. Your website's vandenbergband.com, Twitter and Instagram at Vandenberg Band. I also want people to know that the album comes out again, August 25th, CD, digital, and you can get it on limited edition green vinyl. Very cool that vinyl's back. Is this the first Vandenberg album? To be released on vinyl in quite a while, I would assume. Uh, well, actually, um, the 2020 album was also on vinyl. It was okay. And, and, and the goofy thing, of course, is that in, in uh, the early Vandenberg albums, there was just vinyl in those days. It was normal. And when it when it kind of well, there were cassettes, of course. You know, uh, especially in the states, people had eight tracks and stuff. And I still have some of the cassettes and. I read um, an article a while ago that uh, thanks to um, that, that successful Netflix series Stranger Things, uh, which of course played in the 80s, yeah. that a lot of kids went, oh, what is that cool little thing, you know, the tape and stuff. So apparently there's quite a run on the cassettes again, which is that, that actually, you know, that actually is a, a quite confrontational with, um, with your age, basically to think, well, yeah. I knew those things, you know, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't even know who has a, a device to play a cassette on anymore. It would be difficult to find. Yeah, I, I still um, I still kept mine actually, and um, I used to make all my demos on cassettes. Um, I had a four track cassette player, and uh, then I kind of uh, uh, copied them on a regular stereo cassette. Uh, so I still wanted to be able to play them because uh, every once in a while I listen back to some old ideas. Uh, for the hell of it, and, and and then you get placed back in the 80s. I thought it was pretty funny, but and also I I found a while ago I found um, a Walkman, like a solid Chrome Walkman that I've never used because it was a present from my management in the White Snake days. <laughs> uh, I was carrying I was carrying this huge box of cassettes with me, like everybody else, you know, and then so that's one one of the few. Advantages of Spotify, you don't have to drag all this stuff around anymore. That's true. That's yeah. very true. Uh, the first single that was released from Sin is House on Fire. Yeah. 
Terrific song. Did you write all the songs on Sin by yourself? Uh, actually, uh, for the first time since working with David Coverdale, I collaborated with Mats, the singer, because he had good lyrical ideas, and we both worked on the arrangements and stuff. What usually happens is I come up with the structure of the song with the original stuff, and pretty much always with the first line or first couple of, of lines of the chorus. And then uh, we play around with it. And uh, then, like for instance, the title trick was, uh, went a little differently. Um, I had all the, uh, the instrumental stuff. And I remember taking a walk in France where I am right now again. Um, and during that walk within um, three minutes, the lyric and melody for the intro and the chorus and the pre-chorus kind of got picked up by my mental antenna. So I built it into my iPhone, which I usually do in order not to, uh, you know, not, not to uh, lose, lose the idea. And I sent it to Mats and I said, you know, I got, I got the intro and chorus and pre-chorus, uh, uh, come up with some ideas for the verses and Mats came up with the verses and, and the, and so the theme was already there, but with the other songs, I usually come up with the first uh, or first two chorus lines, including usually the title, and that gives Mats some kind of a starting point. And then he, ta- he usually takes it into a bit of a darker direction <laughs> than I than I would normally do, like House on Fire. Uh, I had the first line, um, "Let's set this house on fire," you know, like going to a party because it has. A bit of a party vibe, sure. And and he he changed it a little bit into I'm going to set your house on fire, and, and it's about this twisted guy who's frustrated about the whole world and 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 wants to set the whole, whole place on fire. So it was something different than I originally than I originally um, thought. So that's really cool because uh, so we work surprisingly well together, um, which is a bonus, you know, because you never know it's, uh, when you. When you work creatively, um, you want to be on the same page, which I was with uh, with Cody all the time too. Um, and it works out really well with Mats. He's got great ideas, and, and we put together uh, the arrangements together and stuff. So yeah, it's going great actually. Excellent. Good to hear. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you have a, a partner to collaborate with again. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask about songwriting because I was listening to the 1997 Starkers in Tokyo White Snake album. It's uh, it's just you and David, and you're on acoustic guitar. Is uh, is that the instrument of choice when you're writing songs? An acoustic. 
No, not really. Um, it it was actually um, that, that that album was not meant as an album. It was a, a radio show in Tokyo, and um, the there were about maybe 60, 80 people or something present, and they were winners of a contest. So um, it was going to be it was a live broadcast on radio. Yeah. Uh, and and afterwards we thought, well, wait a minute, this is going to be bootleg like crazy, of course, because it's on the radio. So it would be a good idea because we were happy with the performance uh, to re- quickly release it as an album, which was done. So it became a very popular album and we did a promotional tour for the album to a couple of European countries. Uh, and that's how we played it, you know. Uh, my instrument of choice is usually an electric guitar or a piano and sometimes an acoustic, but when I start on an acoustic, then I come up with stuff like Saving Ships, like the White Nick song. The wind was with you when you left on the morning tide. You set your sails for an island in the sun. But on the horizon, there are dark clouds up ahead. And the storm has just begun. So take me with you, take me far away. Lead me to the distant shore. And sail your ship across the water. Spread your wings across the sky and take the time to see you're the one. Um, and I originally wrote um, the, um, the, those parts for my mom because she um, always used to tell me, hey, Dan, is there going to be an acoustic song on the album because the rest is so loud? <laughs> so I said, yeah, mom, sure. So I, I wrote this little bit for her, not meaning for it to be uh, on an album, but then David heard it and he said, well, do, do you mind if I make a, uh, a, a lyric on it? I said, no, go ahead, you know. So, so he did, and um, they turned into sailing ships, and then I remember putting that loud bit at the end when it suddenly breaks into the, the big orchestral part, recording it on my cassette um, recorder at the time. The demo, and it became, uh, you know, it became the record. Excellent. Uh, one of my favorites on the Starkers album is uh, "The Deeper the Love." Just a fantastic version of that song. You both sound fantastic. Just love it so much. Thanks, man. Uh, Thanks. When I look back on everything I've done, I know you must have cried a river of You were there, but I was feeling low to walk me through my darkest fears. So when the sun goes down, when those nights are growing colder, I will be there looking over your shoulder. And the deeper the love. Stronger the emotion, and the stronger the love.
when you and David would write songs in Whitesnake, I mean, this was after you had written three albums on your own, lyrics and music. Were you in charge of music only and David did the lyrics or did you guys both do a little of each? Um, yeah, we both did a little of each. Um, David usually uh, writes the lyrics, which you can uh, easily recognize by um, by his, the, the themes that he uses. Uh, it's pretty much always love. You know, uh, I think Whitesnake has got more songs with the word love in it than, than any other band in the world. Um <laughs> And um, I think he did a great job with um, with Sailing Ships and with Judgment Day. I think uh, those are probably definitely um, playing chips. Who I think is one of his better lyrics. I think because it wasn't the, the typical Coverdale um, "I Love You, Baby" type of stuff. Um, he can be really good with that, with his stuff. And the thing with David is what's always really interesting is um, David is one of those few singers. He, of, of course, he's got this amazing voice, and it sounds like even live or on radio, whatever, it sounds like his voice is already fully produced, you know, in the studio. It's got everything and the resonance and the highs and the low and everything. So um, David is one of the few singers. He can sing like a kiddie song and make it sound credible as a Led Zeppelin song or as a White Snake <laughs> song or something, you know. He's, and so he, he's got this talent of, 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 of making everything sounds really great vocally, uh, no matter what he sings. And when we used to hang out together in his um, uh, in the evening when we were done writing, uh, we used to watch movies and stuff in his home theater. And um, sometimes we would play some some old blues stuff, and he would be singing with it, you know, like soul stuff or blues stuff, and that's where he came from. Yeah, he's been doing that ever since he was sixteen or something. And he, but a lot of people don't know, but um, once you hear it you really realize it, how deeply his, his roots are in the blues. And that uh, separated him and still separates him from a lot of uh, rock singers because a lot of rock singers are usually more the operatic type of singers, you know, like, um, uh, you know, the higher the higher screaming with the, the big vibrato and stuff. and. David is more a blues singer, you know, and, and that's what definitely was, I think, one of the strong points when we broke with Whitesnake in 1987. It was something that especially the American people didn't really hear that often because, you know, you had the band like Rat and Van Halen, and well, although David Roth was pretty blues-based as well, but most of the LA bands were just a very different kind of singer, you know, like Vince Neil and Stephen Percy, they were definitely different. 
And then suddenly David comes comes on the scene with this big, huge, soulful voice. And people went, what is going on over here, you know? We could really tell every night when we started the show. And he started with his big squeals and and, and, and he, he used to talk. When he does the announcement of the song, of the song, he, he sounds, uh, you know, like like with his big low voice. And he doesn't go, he cries, cries, and like a lot of people do. Yeah. There was another point that people really look, oh, this is different. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah, the um, the self-titled Whitesnake album is, is kind of amazing in 1987 because Whitesnake had been around for so long at that point. And many of yeah. us in the States, we didn't know about White Snake, but then this thing called MTV was around. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, here we go. Who are these guys? And, you know, the album's great and the songs are great. How important was Tawny Katane in helping break the band just as a presence in those videos? Uh, well, uh, from from what I hear and read, a lot of people think um, she was quite quite important in it, and and she probably was because she was the videos uh, done by Martin Kalmer, the video director, yeah. were really with a finger on the on on the the heartbeat of 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 those days. You know, it was very polished and very cinematographic. What's the word? I think <laughs> something like that. I'm a Dutch guy, I don't know, but then, yeah, and, and it, it it just, the chemistry between her and the camera and, and the way how Marty Conner kind of segued it into the song at the right moments and stuff, and I, th- I think it was quite important, you know, it's um, pretty much every band in those days had like a, a pretty girl in, in, in the videos, whether it was Red or, or whatever, you know, but uh, I think Tony stood out, you know, from from most of those girls. She had, um, she, I think, she had more personality. Uh, a lot of the other girls and so on those videos were usually blondes, and uh, you could usually picture them, you know, hanging around a rainbow or whatever. And right. Tony had a different class, I think. Agree. I totally agree. Let's get into uh, the first Vandenberg album. You come out of the gate with Burning Heart. It goes top 40 on the Billboard Hot 100. 
you must have been excited. That must have been an exciting time for that song to be uh, heading up the charts. Yeah, that's quite an understatement because um, included, nobody expected that, including the record company, because um, we didn't. Uh, it was the beginning of uh, MTV, of course, and um, we didn't even have a video because the record company uh, was kind of assuming, okay, it's going to take some time to introduce those four spotty duck guys to <laughs> to to radio and, and and stuff, not even thinking about TV, but. Um, Burning Heart kind of got picked up by a couple of radio stations across the country and it spread like crazy by itself. So the record companies uh, appear to be a little panicky and, and they asked us, um, do you have a demo uh, video so we can see what the band looks like? And so I, I quickly hired uh, a local theater in my hometown in Holland, a mid-sized country town. And um, it had a, a cute little theater uh, with a Baroque type of, you know, like the Muppet show, then Settler <laughs> and Waldorf kind of balcony and stuff. And then uh, we just had a couple of spotlights and uh, a guy with a camera and we said, well, let's make a quick demo so they can decide whether they want to record a video or something. But by the time we send it over, Billy Hart was already becoming a hit. So they, they used that particular video as the band video. And that one is still on um, on YouTube. It, it was like one of the cheapest videos known to mankind, I suppose, because I think it cost about $150 or something because all I had to do is pay that, the theater and the camera guy, you know, and that was it. Yeah, I watched the video last night and it is really bare bones. And now that you give me the yeah. backstory <laughs> on it, it makes sense. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was thinking, I'm like, boy, you would have thought they would have done a little bit more with this, but uh, yeah, now yeah, we know. Um, and the goofy thing is, for the second album, we recorded uh, two videos with, uh, and it was supposed to be a proper video. So I remember the one for a song called Friday Night, and I mean, if I look if I look at it now, it's it's, it's kind of embarrassing, <laughs> um, because there was like this story about people working in a factory and it was like you know it was it was quite goofy and But then when I when I watched it a while ago, sorry, on uh, on um, YouTube, on the side, uh, you know, the sideline on YouTube where where you see other bands or acts advice or something, there was right. Judas Priest with um, Breaking the Law. And that was at least as embarrassing as ours. So I thought, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, we're not alone. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not Every- alone in our total embarrassment yeah everyone has a has an embarrassing video out there for sure back in those MTV yeah, days. 
Yeah. <laughs> we uh, do. Yeah. Friday night. It's a very uh, poppy sounding single. I I actually like your second album better than the the debut. I feel like the songs are are more fun or more upbeat. Was that a conscious effort, or am I just hearing that? No, I think you're right. And for me, uh, writing those songs, I was since we we just did our first tour in the states. I definitely um, felt a different vibe in this, playing in the states than we did in, in in Europe at the time because the band that came out of England they were all dressed in um, uh, jeans and a, and a leather bomber jacket whether it was Iron Maiden or Michael Schenker or all those British bands they kind of looked the same and the music was um, um, yeah you know comparable to what, what we did on the first Vandenberg album. The second one, I, de- um, I wrote the songs actually in the tour bus uh, cruising in the United States from one show to another. And after we uh, were special guests with Kiss, we started headlining again. And um, I just really liked the vibe of playing in the States and, and the, the more upbeat vibe in the, in the, in the crowd than uh, was the case in Europe in those days. Um, and, and logically, if, if, if like a band uh, like Iron Maiden plays in a venue, um, it, you don't have that American upbeat, slightly partyish vibe. Right. Uh, so I definitely, I totally got influenced by that, like more, yeah, more upbeat vibe. And, um, and of course, also I, I learned a little bit more about recording. Uh, the second album sounds a little bit more mature, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, like a, the first one is like a couple of young horses uh, running and um, breaking out of the stables and running through the meadow and going, where the fuck are we going to go? You know, and then the second one had a little bit more direction. Uh, and I can, yeah, it, it, it's fun to listen back to it because, as you know, you know, music is is like it takes you back to the times where uh, where you heard it for the first time and for everybody. Uh, the music that you listen to in your life becomes the soundtrack of your life. So sure. yeah. it's amazing how, how, how certain smells and certain sounds put you in a time machine and, and suddenly you, you, you're back there, you know, you close your eyes. And, and that happens uh, very clearly with me when, uh, when I listen back to those early Vandenberg albums. The uh, third album, Alibi, there's a song called Fighting Against the World. Was this your mindset at the time? Did you feel like, Vandenberg wasn't breaking big enough. Is that uh, is that what this song is about? Be you know um, usually when, when I write lyrics, it, it, it I go completely intuitive. 
I don't really think about where the, the ideas come from. I'm just uh, really thankful that they keep popping into my, get picked up by my mental antenna. Um, but I guess, I guess so, you know, usually I realize afterwards, after I wrote some lyrics, oh, it's probably connected to this or that. Um, the only song that I con- consciously wrote about um, someone, it's uh, on the um, first Moon Kings album, the band I started after um, uh, having been away for 10 years on the scene. Um, there's a song called Out of Reach, and, and that song was written about my daughter. Nothing new to feel like I do. An emotion I can get used to. Away from home, a lonely road. And the time keeps moving on. It's burning a hole in my heart when we're apart. So out of touch, so out of reach, but still in my dreams, you're here with me. A hollow feeling, a hard time dealing with the emptiness here. Um, uh, and, and it was about the situation that um, in the first couple of years after the breakup with her mom, um, her mom didn't allow me to see my daughter uh, sometimes for months in a row, and and it makes you think, you know, how is she doing? Uh, I couldn't get on the phone. It, it was like a, a pretty hard time, and so I consciously wrote that song about. The situation with with my daughter and that's the only song where i knew while i was writing it what it was about what it was referring to and all the other ones kind of happen and then later i think oh wait a minute this probably has to do with this or that you know yeah and how is the relationship with your daughter now is everything good that's great yeah, it's, it's really 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 great as a matter of fact she's <laughs> she's going to a harry styles concert uh, this evening in Amsterdam, and she just sent me a video. It's total chaos. It's like like twenty thousand girls, and and the the pheromones are bursting in every direction. And uh, she's been the Harry Styles fan, and she's twenty four now. Um, Harry Styles, uh, when when he was in One Direction, it was of course like a young girl band, you know. And I right. took her to one or two or two of those concerts at the time when, when my daughter was about fourteen or thirteen something like that. And with a lot of those girls, you know, they keep following one of those guys, but Harry Styles is by far, of course, the most successful. And, you know, he's a little bit like a young Mick Jagger, but, but more, more of these days. And now yeah, she's doing really great. And uh, I'm just thankful, you know, that everything uh, has smoothed out. Unfortunately, she doesn't really remember that, that, that period of, of, of those years where I didn't get to see her barely. That's good. That's good that she doesn't remember that. She remembers the times now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great thing. So, Adrian, being in the music business, are you able to help out in getting good seats for a Harry Styles concert? Well, I I used to. Um, I did. I, I always feel a little embarrassed, you know, doing that. Um, I, I would have done so, um, but sometimes 
I go, oh man, you know, it's a little embarrassing <laughs> if, I, if I ask the promoter, uh, oh, do you have a couple of good seats? You know, when my daughter was was uh, a lot younger, I took her to um, a Lady Gaga show and, and she was a fan and we got really good seats. And after I did it a couple of times, I thought, man, I don't feel right with kind of begging for free tickets or like even doing it. I'd rather buy myself, you know, for them. Yeah. That says a lot about you. You you seem like a really down to earth, just solid. I don't like to use the word normal, but you know what I mean. You just seem you just seem like a solid guy. Yeah, I am. You know, I'm I'm just a happy guy, and and um, I'm every, the rest of the day go by that I'm really thankful and 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 grateful about the fact that I'm still um, chasing my dreams and my passions and be able to to make a, uh, some kind of a living of my passions and. Both my parents were very, they really raised us that, that way, you know. Um, don't, you know, just, just be yourself. Don't, don't try to hold up something or don't um, get on a high horse and, and, and all that stuff, you know. Whenever uh, somebody was doing that, my mom used to say, look, look, look at this person. What, why does he or she do that, you know? It's, we're all on this planet and we're all trying to make the best of it. And, that definitely formed my sister brother and me uh we are my sister's a classical piano player and she's amazing um and she's like that too my brother works for the united nations and he's all over the world and stuff we're totally different all three of us but that's how we raise and, and we regularly talk about it uh, my mom passed away at 96 years old um a year ago uh and we Ever since she passed away, we we seem to talk more about how how, uh, how how lucky we were to get raised in a warm nest like uh, our parents provided for us. Um, it really forms you, like everybody knows. You know, if, if you if you grow up in a in a difficult family where uh, the parents don't really get along. You get used to the kind of tension, and, and you very often see that somebody creates a life like that. Because uh, as well, later when they're grown up, uh, and very often when they're young, they think, "Oh, I'm never, I'm, I'm never ever going to do that," and they end, up, they still end up doing it. You know, it's, right. it's so important how you how you get raised. I mean, what kind of nest you you have the privilege to grow up, or the bad luck to grow up, or whatever. You know. So obviously uh, raised with good values. And when you and your brother and sister talk about your mom, you keep her memory alive. So I'm sorry about her passing, but that's nice. Yeah, it was, it was, I got memories. a ring. This is the ring of my mother. I carry it with me on my um, one of my chains. Um, yeah, she was a very, very special woman. And um, uh, I, th- I think most people think that about their mom. Uh, I had a very special connection with my mom, which is why... My sister and brother said, you know, you, you you take that ring because they were fully aware of the connection that my mom and I and I had. And 96 is a beautiful um, age, of course. And she was, and we were very uh, lucky that she, she didn't uh, have a long suffering end uh, of her life. She, basically, one morning she just didn't w- wake up and that was it, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're thankful that that's the way it, it went. It's hard to pivot now back into music, Adrian, but we're we're gonna do <laughs> it, uh, we'll do it as awkwardly as possible. Uh, um, fine. 
<laughs> Fine. Uh, Adrian Vandenberg's Moon Kings. How does that differ from Vandenberg? Why didn't you just call that band Vandenberg? Well, initially, um, they started Moon Kings about eight years ago or something. It was, um, there was no interest in, in, in rock whatsoever. Fortunately, uh, it has um, came a bit, uh, a bit more to, to life in the last couple of years again. But um, at the time, um, I stayed out of the music scene for about 10, 11 years to watch my daughter grow up. What I talked about before, um, when I didn't really get to see her as often as I would love, would have loved to, when the relationship fell apart, I thought, if I'm going to start a band again right now, um, I will be one of those dads who sticks his head around the corner two or three times a year and say, hi, uh, I'm your dad, but I have to go. Sorry, you know. So I thought, you know, I'm going to stay away until I will be able to explain to her what I do. Uh, so when I started Moonkings, I decided to um, to go back to my very early roots and make it a blues rock band. Um, not too heavy, uh, but definitely um, very much based on, on the kind of blues rock that my very first band in 1977, a band called Pisa. Only, we only made one album, but it was very much based on the band Free and that company. Those were yeah. big influences on me. The singer even looked like Paul Rogers, you know, and he sounded like him. <laughs> um, so I went back to basically build it up again. And since the music was slightly, well, quite different than what I used to do with Vandenberg, I thought it would be kind of weird to call it Vandenberg because stylistically it's, it's quite different. I, I've always been um, zigzagging between blues rock and between uh, more melodic hard rock like yeah. in Vandenberg. So um, when a couple of years ago, when I had to stop with Moon Kings because my good friend, the singer Jan, is a great singer, but he has a huge farming company and he could never be away longer than a couple of days from his farm because then he got all nervous and stuff. So we couldn't really tour internationally. Uh, and I really started missing that. I really wanted to do international shows again. And we did a tour with Scorpions in France and it was six days. And that was the first time ever since he was 18 years old that he was longer outside of the country than wow. just one or two days. So I thought, you know, if I, I'm not going to keep calling it Moon Kings because stylistically I, I went back to the more heavier rock that I'm still playing now. But I always had a plan, you know, at some point I would like to make another Moon Kings record and do a Dutch tour with those guys again because we had so much fun on stage. It, it was such a special chemistry that we had on stage that everybody had a great time, the band and the people. And um, uh, who knows, you know, at some point, like next year or the year after, make another movie his album and, um, and do a Dutch tour. I'll keep you posted. The difference in names, or just so the Vandenberg purists know that that's something different. Don't expect yeah, right. Vandenberg yeah. when you hear Moon Kings. All right, yeah, let's talk about Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A little bit more about Sin. The album kicks off with Thunder and Lightning. Such a great song. hard is it to choose the song that's going to start the album because that really sets the tone for what we're going to hear yeah and i remember uh coming up with the with the, the music for the song and with the, the way the accent uh, the accents were started with i thought oh man it's going to be a great opener for a show and then later on i thought that's going to be a great opener for an album too because you don't know what's going to happen. It starts right. like like a thunderbolt. It goes, you go, what? And then at a different moment than you would expect, because it, 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 it the counting is different, you get another hit of a, of a bolt of lightning, and then bam, you know, it starts um, it starts rolling. So, yeah, it was, for me, it was quite easy to, to start, uh, to, to decide to start with a song. Although Mats actually later on he said he would have preferred to start with um, the other up tempo song, which is um, let's see, it got the lighting and the other one, the other up tempo one, somewhere on the album. I is haven't it, heard the song in quite a while. Is it hit the ground running? Yeah, hit the ground running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So much of that would have been a great opener too, but I chose actually for this one because of those accents that I start with because. It's, yeah out of the blue band, you know, could be pretty cool. Well, I, I also made a notation on the song hit the ground running because <laughs> the title is perfect because that song literally hits the ground running. So yeah, it goes right away. Yeah. Yeah, it was another one, you know, uh, like I said before, I, I, I usually when I work on a music, a title kind of gets picked up and the, the, uh, a couple of vocal lines. 
So from all the choruses, that's how it started. And, and, and I, I sent the title or I tell much the title and I hum the, the melody of the opening uh, of, the, of, the, of the chorus. And he now usually takes it up from there and then we start ping-ponging back and forth ideas. And um, yeah, then it, when it takes shape and it's, every time it's just as excited as, as writing my very first song. Every time when it, when it takes shape, I go, oh man, this is going to be good. I can't wait to play it live, you know? Well, uh, for me, this, this is one of the best Vandenberg albums. This is a really great album. You have to be uh, proud of the work you've done on this one. It's, uh, I mean, when I dropped the digital needle, I was just so excited because it sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. I, I, you're right. I'm really proud of it because every time I remember starting to write for this one and I thought, man, it's going to be pretty hard to top 2020 because I was very happy with that one too. And I always try to raise the bar a little bit more, you know, and I, I got intimidated by the stuff I did in the past. I go, oh man, I can't, I can't afford to, to make it less good than the ones I've done, you know, and, um, and then suddenly the ideas start, start rolling in. I go, oh, wait a minute, you know, it, it, it's, it, this could be a good album again. So, yeah, I'm just thankful, you know, this stuff happens. And I know Keith Richard one, uh, once um, described it as you put out your antenna, which I mentioned a couple of times in this yeah. conversation. You put out some kind of an antenna and you hope that you pick up something. And with me, as soon as I got a guitar on my lap, always something happens. And I recorded it to my iPhone. I must have, a, I must have about 3,000 ideas at least for my iPhone. So whenever I start the writing process, I go through and I go, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that sucks. And then I erase it right away. Right. I don't want to waste my waste my time listening to it again, you know. But yeah, it's I'm just a blessed guy, you know. I I really feel that way. And you said that you were gone for ten years uh, to raise your daughter and be around as a dad. Obviously, some rock stars aren't good with their money, but obviously, you must be if you were able to take that chunk of time off you know what i'm saying well yeah but in those days i uh i was selling my paintings ah and, okay and that, uh, so that's one lucky thing that i've got a backup and also um the other thing is i don't have a, a, a high uh level of um of living you know i, I basically still feel like a, a vintage student because the things that I love doing and the, the things that make me feel really good are not extended thing. My, my car has got 400,000 kilometers on it. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still, I'm still happy with it. It's like a, it looks like a Batmobile, you know, it's like this big Chrysler 300 C touring thing. Yeah. 400,000 kilometers, which is, uh, in miles. Uh, let's see. I think 55 miles is 100 kilometers, I think. So. Well, you can do the math, you know, it's, it's a lot. And so I don't really care, you know, uh, I've got, I've got my guitar. I'm, I'm just a happy guy and I like a good glass of wine. You know, if, if I sometimes I don't drink for a week, but when I do drink wine, I drink a good one. And that's one of my very few things that make me feel, um, give me a, a luxurious feeling. It doesn't matter, you know, because I have a couple of friends who, who, who are pretty well off. And I don't have the impression that they're happy, happier than me, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it's just, um, as, as a human, 
being, you get used to everything. I can see the, the people who are very wealthy, very quickly they get used to their new Porsche or their new Ferrari, whatever. And then after a couple of months, they go, okay, yeah, well, maybe next year I'm going to get another car. So it, you get used to everything. And, and then, you, then you try to raise the bar the next time. And before you know it, you know, your lifestyle costs you like $300,000 a year or something. And um, I don't care, you know, um, my riches are my friends and my family and um, my my guitars and, and, and the stuff that's happening in my head. That, that, that's what makes me feel a wealthy person because I always have ideas for everything and anything. And, and a good sense of humor is, is, is very important, too. Well, Adrian, I mean, all these things you're saying are are things that everyone should take to heart because you again you I feel like you're such a grounded person and I, I think that the goodness inside comes out just in your physical appearance you how old are you going to be this year I'm, I'm 69 now you look incredible <laughs> thank you man. thanks I don't know what's going on with me sometimes I think I'm, I'm some kind of a scientific experiment or something and <laughs> Because um, I I don't even believe in myself, you know. And it's I must say, my mom. I suppose I got very blessed with strong genes. My mom, um, when she was ninety five, when she got to be ninety five, I asked her mom. She was dementing a little bit, you know. She was uh, slowly sinking a little bit away in in, the, in dementia, and I asked her mom, "How old do you think you are right now today?" And she said, "Well." Let me think about it. Um, I suppose I must be about 70, 72, and she was 95. Yeah. Now she, and I think I inherited from her that I, I totally ignore the whole thing. You know, I still have the same life as when I was 20. I do the same things, and I do take care of my health in the sense of I love cooking, you know, so I always make sure that I cook healthfully. And I get uh, some exercise, not 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 ridiculous, you know. Sometimes a couple of weeks, nothing, and then I go um, rollerblading for for a couple of weeks until uh, I've had enough of that, and then I get on my bicycle. It's it, it's nothing special or something, yeah. but I suppose I suppose my joy for for life has a lot to do with it, you know. Yeah, um, and that's what I can recommend everybody, you know, count your blessings and um, take a little bit of care of your health and uh, and and take care of the uh, the loved ones around you. And as we all know, the world is a total chaos right now. I think in a couple of years, we're going to look back on this time frame. We go, holy shit, what was going on back then, you know? Yeah. Like a war, a war here and a war there and, and natural disasters and God knows what, you know? I mean, if you take it to heart and with all the input you get these days from uh, through the internet, um, I can understand why some people get really confused and bewildered and go, man, what's all this stuff about? Because if you think back 50 years ago or something when there wasn't all this input that there is these days, yeah, you read a newspaper and the headline goes, uh, well, there's some shit going on in Saudi Arabia or whatever. You go, oh, that's bad, you know, that's not good. And then that's it. But right now, you got images of, 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 of people who are getting bombarded and there's hunger here and there's natural disasters there. I mean, I actually, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in politics, but uh, I must say a couple of weeks ago, I decided, you know, I'm just going to read a couple of headlines every other day. 
because I I started feeling that it was it was getting to me, you know, all the yeah. chaos in the world and then all the stuff, you know. And I feel much better since I uh, I read it a couple of times a week. I go, okay, that's not good, and that's good. Let's get on with with life because otherwise, you know, you get you get sucked into it and you're gonna have all these negative emotions inside you, and it's never good. Yeah, it's much easier to stay positive around yourself and your friends and your family if you're not bombarded and taking all that negativity in 24-7. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to end than on this talk of positivity. So I just want to let people know one more time, August 25th, Sin will be out. It's the fifth album by the band Vandenberg. CD, digital, limited edition green vinyl. You can go to VandenbergBand.com. You can go to at VandenbergBand on Twitter and Instagram to find everything you need to know about Adrian Vandenberg, the new album, and the band Vandenberg. One more question, Adrian. It might be a tough one. We need a playout song for the episode. It can be any Ooh. song. It can be any song from your entire career. It can be a song from the new album. What do you pick? I would pick the, the title song Sin because um, when I finished that one, I thought this is one of the, this is probably the most epic song that I ever put together. So I'm really, really proud of it. Much of singing his ass off the uh, Kuhn and Randy are as solid as a rock. And uh, I'm kind of trying to keep up with them with my guitar fumbling. So I <laughs> think I'm concerned. I think you're <laughs> keeping up just, just fine, Adrian. Thank you, thank, so, you. thank you so much for doing this today. All my listeners, go buy this album and everyone, please enjoy the song Sin. Have a great day, Adrian. Thanks, you too. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Take man. care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
Do 